Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, you can watch us on the simulcast, th- Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to call in about baseball, college, and major league, NBA playoffs, um, Saints drive, Saints, you know, whatever, uh, SEC baseball, whatever you would like. It's going to be a little tricky. Now is a good time to do it in the first two segments of the 10 o'clock hour. So now, or about an hour from now, <coughs> will be the best times to get in if you would like to. And again, the game hotline is 706-0111. It is a glorious Wednesday morning, because not only did the Astros win last night, but they won large in part because rookie shortstop Jeremy Pena came through again in the clutch. You know, his batting average is not all that good right now. It's not even good at all, you you could argue. But the thing that I like about him early on, and again, very small sample size, he seems to not be afraid of the moment. I mean, there are veterans who in the big moment don't ever, don't seem to come up with the big at bat. He seems to be okay in the big moments. Um. And what I mean by that, not just late, even if it's the third, fourth, fifth, sixth inning in the middle of a game, if you got if it's two outs and a runners in scoring position, that is a big moment. Or just runners in scoring position, period. It's a big moment in a game, especially these days with all these low scoring games. And he came through with a big two run single to, to make a one to nothing lead, a three to nothing lead. And Altuve kind of hit a, well, I say as, oh, well, you know, it was a home run. But it, 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 in the big picture, it didn't mean that much other than if it gets him going, because Altuve's been horrible at the plate all season long. Uh, if it gets him going, then it's a big home run. But in terms of just this game, it didn't really mean much. But, but Jeremy Pena's two-run single meant a lot. And um, so that was that was great to see. Uh, I, I I was actually to to be honest with you, it, it's it's kind of funny because the Astros didn't give up a run in Game One of the series, didn't give up a run in Game Two of the series, and I wasn't as thrilled with the pitching as you would think. <laughs> like, I mean, Javier. He did fine, and his stat line was fine, but I still think he's better than he, he just has. No, his command's got to get better. 
Like, he's got to stop falling behind in the count 3-1 over and over again. I mean, when you are in the major leagues, in my opinion, and you're facing against a donkey, like Jerry Kelenic is a donkey, and he's hitting 140 or 134 or whatever, throw the ball down the plate, make the guy hit it, especially with two outs and nobody on base. I mean, this business of I'm throwing the ball all over the place, it's, it's got to stop. Like, it's still early. So say they got this new baseball and that nobody likes it. Maybe some of that has something to do with it. But throw a strike, Cat. It's okay. Throw a strike. He's got to start throwing more strikes. Got to stop falling behind in the count so much. He's a great high fastball pitcher. And his slider can work. But he's got to start throwing some strikes. So... I actually, and then Montero had an awful performance on, on Monday. So the, the, that has to get a little better. They have to get a little sharper, and it's still early, and there's time for that to happen. But obviously the big thing in the big picture what took place last night is Dusty Baker got his 2,000th career managerial victory. And there were a, quite a few people, nationally, Astro fans here, um, Astro fans here locally that were down on the hiring of Dusty Baker, and I was a I was all for it from the beginning. D- Dusty Baker, in addition to have one of the great baseball names of all time, is a um, is one of the coolest figures in baseball history. Again, he's one of only two guys him and Joe Torrey, to get over 1,800 hits as a player and over 1,800 wins as a manager. So com- he's the be- He's one of the two best combinations of player excellence and managerial excellence in baseball history. We're talking about 150 years. He is... Um, he became the 12th manager of all time to get... And again, we're not talking about in we're talking about out of 150 years he was the 12th manager of all time to get 2000 wins and he's obviously the first well I say he's the first black manager to do that. So uh, very cool. He has fit in perfectly. I think he's done a great job and uh hopefully um you know, I, I hope he manages again. I hope they go back to the World Series this year and he manages again, but we'll see. How, how that plays out long term, but no, I, I think it's uh, it's it's really cool. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello, hello, Kevin. Yes, sir. Good morning. Hey, uh, I don't mean to switch gears on you, but that's okay. Uh, uh, did I hear correctly that the Vikings and the Saints are going to have to play in London? Okay, so what's the deal here? We we say the schedule's coming out on the twelfth, so now they're leaking stuff. Yeah, that stuff uh, drives me bonkers. Well, it kind of puts a damper on my yeah. parade. I wanted to, I wanted to go watch the game. It's so close. But anyway, so wait a minute. Wait, so I, tell I, me, because I don't know this. Ahead. So I don't know this. So the Vikings are playing the Saints in London. Yes. Oh, that's what I heard. Yeah, oh, that's awful. came out this morning. It's awful. Yeah. I know it Just is. Awful. It's horrible. It's not good. But uh, anyway, I'm sure you're happy with y'all draft. 
got what you wanted. I, uh, so. Yeah, it, it, it could have been a lot worse, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, did you think I'm, your Viking? were you pretty sold that the Vikings were getting Stingley, or do you like what y'all ended up getting? I, I like the players. I didn't care too much. He traded within the division in, in the first round, and he did the same thing with Green Bay again. But I do like the players he picked up. You know, it's a new GM and everything, and everything's so new, very new. So we'll see. Well, yeah, uh, I like it. Uh, yeah. I, no, I don't. I don't. I don't like this idea of playing the Vikings in, in London because, you know, the Vi- that, that puts them closer to Scandinavia so they'll feel more at home than us. And, Kevin, that's going to be a, a big game. I mean, both teams are hoping to contend. I mean, you know, y'all a little more so than us. But, uh, yeah, to have that in London. That's awful. Just awful. Whatever. Now, now uh, right, right quick, uh, who, who, when do the Astros play again? They play this afternoon at 1. Uh, who's starting their pitcher? He's pretty good. He's going to win. Verlander. Um, the Astros oh, are. Oh, that's Verlander. Did. Yeah, the Astros are twenty-five and four against the Mariners in Houston in the uh, in the last three years, and Verlander dominates the Mariners. So, on paper, yeah, it yes, looks it pretty is. good. Good, good. Okay, well, good talking to you, Kevin. We'll talk more later. All right. Take care. Thank you. You, you too. That's a. I hate playing in London. And then not only do they put the Saints in London, which is awful, just awful, but they put them against the, one of the teams you hate the most, the Vikings. So just to give you an update because you didn't know. So the London games are October 2nd at 2.30, the Vikings against the Saints. October 9th at 2.30 as well against the Giants versus the Packers. And then October 30th at 1.30, the Broncos versus the Jaguars. The Broncos, too? Mm-hmm. Awful. And I saw some headline that the, the Yucks are playing in Germany. Yes. I don't like that, but oh, well. <laughs> we'll have to... If they win, it'll be okay, but you hope, you know, all that silly traveling, you hope it doesn't mess up the next week, and, you know, I hope they don't do to the Saints what they did back in, what, 2008, a completely unfair schedule, and what they did to the Yucks three years ago, completely ridiculously unfair schedule. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see all that in, a, you know, a little over a week. But, no, I, I did not hear that, um, and, yes. no, that is awful. Yes, yeah, someone did call earlier and said that there's a possibility that the um, Cardinals are playing in a game in New Mexico. So there's a New Mexico, a Mexico, not New Mexico, a Mexico City game. Yeah. There's three London games, and then there is a. I mean, Mexico City, I don't like Germany game because I don't, I don't like any of this stuff. I think it's silly, but um, I at least it's like you know, in. One of our time zones. I mean, it's not like going way <laughs> over there and you got to play at eight in the morning and all that foolishness. That's awful. Foolishness. So, uh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that at all. Ray says you should pe- make the games be in the preseason instead of during the regular season. Yeah. I mean, I like that. That makes sense. It's, it's no one care about preseason. They're really. trying to, man, I guess. I guess in their vision, 20 years from now, there's going to be teams like in. 
Berlin or Munich and all these um, European cities. I sure hope not. That's going to be awful. Hate that junk. But no, not a good thing if you're the Mariners. One, playing in Houston is never a good thing if you're playing Astros, period, is never really a good thing if you're the Mariners. But when you don't score a run the first two games and then you got to face Verlander. <laughs> Pub on. We'll see. It's baseball. You never know. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll shift gears, talk a little LSU baseball and other LSU issues with Cokie Riley next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Want to remind you about Astros Getaway, May the 21st. Astros will be playing the Rangers. And if you would like to win the Astro Weekend Getaway, you simply need to register on the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You could win four tickets to the Saturday game between the Astros and the Rangers, a ballpark tour at Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night at La Meridian, Houston, downtown. The um, Astro Weekend getaway powered by Butcher Air Condition, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, going to shift gears a little bit from Major League Baseball to LSU and some SEC baseball uh, with Cokie Riley. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well, Kevin. Thanks for having me on, man. All right. Before we get going, uh, you know, you and I have talked before and we know each other, but I and I may have even asked you this question, but we got to get that. We got to get this established. So, I, I, you know, I need to know, like, tell me again, because I think I have asked you this, but I've forgotten. Who are you passionately a fan of? Um, as someone who's. I wasn't born in Boston, but I was raised in the Boston area. I'm from Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Um, my dad's from the Boston area. Uh, and, you know, he kind of indoctrinated me into Boston sports and that whole Boston sports scene. And um, that's just sort of my roots as a sports fan, as a sports junkie, why I have this job, why I live here now. Heck. Um, so really all four of those teams, especially the, the Pats, Celtics, and, and uh, Red Sox, uh, especially, especially the Red Sox. So um, that's just sort of how um, my clock sort of ticks when it comes. Oh, okay, to okay, comes okay. To I, I can handle the Red Sox, okay, but I just can't <laughs> handle the other ones. Can't really handle the other ones, but we'll, we'll we'll get past that. So you said the Cape. So have you actually actually gone and watched any games in the Cape Cod League, the famous Cape Cod League? Oh, absolutely. Um, I covered, I worked for the Rooster Whitecaps for three seasons in the Cape League. Um, I'm very familiar with the Cape. Uh, I mean, I I love it there. I've been to probably hundreds of games at this point. So, yes, very much so. All right. So, you see, I've heard about Cape, the Cape, all my whole life as a baseball fan. So, is it really intense up there or is it laid back baseball up there? Um,. I'd say for the most part, it's laid back baseball just because it's summer ball. It isn't the actual season and whatnot. Um, but I will, but I will say though, the talent there is not laid back. 
I, I mean, so many future major leaguers, even ones that I've covered who are now in the major leagues, guys like Spencer Torkelson or Nico Horner even, um, and, and you know that and you can feel that during the games. But at the same time, the overall tone is, is fairly laid back, at least until you get to, get to the playoffs. So am I hearing that baseball is your favorite sport? Yes, yes. Okay. I, would, I would say baseball is probably my number one sport, um, if I had to choose one for sure. And who is your favorite Red Sox of all time? Ooh, that's a good question. I'd have to think about that. Um, ooh, I don't know. I, I might have to go with Ortiz probably just because of everything. He basically, I mean, at least from the perspective of a Red Sox fan, is he basically changed the fortunes of the entire franchise. He was the first person. He was probably the most important player in Red Sox history. Not not the best player in Red Sox history, but the most important. Those were two very different things. And I would probably have to go with that. But uh, that's a tough question for sure. Louis, T- Louis Tion is the coolest player in Red Sox history to me. Louis Tion. I thought he was awesome. But anyway. That's a solid I got, question. That's a solid answer. Yeah. That that, I, you know, my, my, I, when I was – my favorite non-Astro players of all time are probably Fred Lynn, Mike Greenwell, Louis Tion. That, those, I, I, I like those because I'm not – one thing that you and I have in common, I've always rooted against the Yankees. So <laughs> I – um. So anyway, I, 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 I do like some old school Red Sox. But then when the Red Sox became the Yankees right around 20 years ago, I said, oh, no, they're just the Yankees. And then the punks became the Yankees. Anyway, that's another. All right, let's get to LSU baseball. Um, <laughs> I said early on, I thought that the it just looked like the SEC this season. I'm talking a month or two, six, eight weeks ago. Um wasn't looking as top-heavy as it often is. And I understand a lot of LSU fans were very upset with the poor defensive play and some of the issues that were going on with LSU early on that are still kind of plaguing them some. But it seems like if you're going to have a transition year like they've had and played some poor defense than they're used to playing, this is a year to do it. Because Is it me or is the SEC not as top-heavy as it normally is? Um. That's an interesting question. Uh, I would say that the SEC is still, I don't know about top, top heavy in terms of the league itself or top heavy in terms of its standing in college baseball and that it's by far the best conference in baseball. Well, top heavy in, okay, obviously Tennessee's having a special seat. I'm throw Tennessee out. I'm not talking about Tennessee. And top heavy as far as the level that you need to finish in the top three or four to get what a top three or four SEC team gets come regional time? Um, I would say that they need to definitely lock in that second-place spot in the West, and if they do that, they can host a region. I think it's very possible. Just just given the season that Auburn and A&M are having, um, if they can lock it, it, and I know that sounds like a narrow response to a, to a wide ranging question, but right now they're tied for second in the SEC West at 12 and nine um, in SEC play. And if they can, if they can pull away from those two teams a little bit and, and sort of nestle in that second place spot, I think Arkansas is kind of past their reach, especially after they swept them a couple weeks ago. Um, so I, I, I just, I just feel like. 
if they can take that second place SEC West spot, they should be in a decent spot to host a regional because right now they're kind of in striking distance. They're roughly a top 20 team. I mean, there's so many polls in college baseball, it's hard to hard to track. But uh, if I had to bet, I would say if they you know finish strong for the rest of the season, say they win at least two out of three against Bama, maybe sweep Ole Miss since the, since the home series. Ole Miss isn't having a great year. Um, uh, either at least win one game, if not two, against a team like a really good team like Vanderbilt. Uh, and then they have a they, they definitely have a shot to host a regional, I think. Well, I know what's going on with Mississippi State. I call them medicine season. So they're having a medicine season, which is understandable. But but what in the world? Why was Ole Miss so misinterpreted early in the season? Um, I don't have a great answer for you there. I mean, it's probably part of the do with the history of Ole Miss baseball, and uh, I I don't I'm not a hundred I don't know you're. You're, you're touching on something that's um, pretty tough for me to put my finger on, but I, but I can tell you that although this LSU team, they don't. It seems like what you sort of mentioned earlier that they're in a transition year with a new coach, and that does that does seem logical. I think they've actually had a really good season, um, and as you sort of mentioned, that they have sort of quelled some of. Uh, some of the struggles they've had earlier in the season, their defense has been at least a little bit better in the last week or so. Uh, I, I think they're starting pitching, even though it still definitely lacks depth. Um, it seems like they found uh, they found a couple options options there. Sam Dutton has pitched really well on Sundays last this past Sunday. He had his longest start of the season in the four and two thirds innings, and he, I mean some interesting stats for you. They're, they're second. In the SEC in batting average, second in slugging percentage, second in on-base percentage, and the only team that they're behind is Tennessee in all three of those categories. So they have one of the best offenses in college baseball. As long as they can get enough pitching, um, we already know their bullpen's really good. Then they have a chance to make a pretty decent run, I think. And if you're, and if you want to look at my point is basically if you want to look at this team on the positive side, you could say that heck. I mean, even if their record doesn't totally show it, they are statistically, um, when you sort of look at some of the key categories, especially offensively, one of the better teams in the SEC, and which would therefore make them one of the best teams in college baseball, I think. Well, here's how I look. I think, and it's in college baseball and major leagues are different in a lot of ways, but there are some similarities. And I've always believed for a long time that starting pitching is very important for the regular season, but that the postseason, and even more in college baseball than in the major leagues, I think, the postseason is about hitting, timely hitting, and hitting and timely hitting, and the bullpen. And I think that's where LSU could be a little better off than a lot of its critics say. Because yeah, there, you know, if you look, if you play by defense, and it's, it could kill you anytime. So if they don't, if they if they go back to the beginning of the year defensively, they're going to have trouble, no question about that. But if they just play pretty good defense, I think bullpen and hitting can overcome mediocre starting pitching in the postseason, especially in college base- baseball. What do you think? Yeah, and even with their starting pitching, you could make the argument that, you know, given how important bullpens are in college baseball, that they only need like two or three innings and they can get that from Mikhail Hilliard. Um, they've been getting more than good two or three good innings from Mikhail Hilliard in recent weeks. 
And same goes with Dutton. I mean, Dutton has already proven that he can throw three, throw three score, three or four scoreless innings against almost any team in the SEC at this point. So they may be actually good there. And you know, if they, you know, and if uh, Blake Money has to start one of these one of these games, and I assume he will, uh, then I would say that as long as he doesn't totally self-construct destruct in two or three innings of work, then they might be able to survive it because their bullpen's really deep. They have five or six guys that you can uh, definitely rely on. Rely on. Paul Gervais has been excellent this season. I mean, Eric Razelman has has come from kind of low ex- from these like, had, had these kind of low expectations heading into this season, but he's a Cape League guy who really, uh, really stood out with the Harwich Mariners last season. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's interesting. And where I think this team's pretty well set up for for success, to be totally honest, and, and it, it's hard to be too too critical of this team, just given how well they played in that Georgia series, especially. All right, before I let you go, I wanna I wanna shift gears just a little bit to football. In general, did you come out after the spring season and the spring game with a, again a transition? Uh, LSU's entire athletic department it seems like it's in transition right now for a lot of reasons. But but did you come away feeling better than you thought you would about the prospects for this team? About the same or worse? Um, hmm. And that's an interesting question. I would say if you're an LSU fan, that you should probably feel a little bit. You should definitely feel at least a little bit better about the prospects for this team moving forward. I mean, they definitely have question marks at some positions. Don't get me wrong. Uh, cornerback, is, there's just not enough cornerback depth still. Um, but at the same time, it seems like the players are grasping this culture change that Brian Kelly's trying to, um, I guess, instill into this team. And they have a ton of talent <laughs> still. Uh, despite some of the transfers and the 10 guys going into the NFL, I, I, I just feel like uh, they didn't even have Kayshawn Butte. For example, they didn't even have Kayshawn Butte for the spring, and the wide receiver room looks, even, with it, even without him, looks good enough to compete in the SEC. Uh, they have options at quarterback, even though, even though one guy hasn't totally stood out. I think it's been more of a situation of three guys standing out than three guys you know, not standing out, if, if that makes any sense. Um, and then their defensive line, they may have one of the best defensive lines, not just in the SEC, but in the entire country. I, I honestly believe that. Um, not just not just because of the top-tier talent, guys like Mason Smith, but also the depth behind them. And guys like Makai Wingo, who was a freshman first-team freshman um, in, uh, in the SEC. So I, I just feel like this team... They certainly have the talent, they, and it seems like they're buying into Brian Kelly's um, what, what Brian Kelly wants. And I think the, the only real, I think the real question mark, I guess, with this team, we kind of look at them from a 300 foot view, is just how quickly can they sort of gel together as a unit, and you know, you know, learn all the nuances of the playbook, and, and you, just sort of understand and have sort of this chemistry with each other, not just between the players and the coaches, but the with the players themselves, just because you have so many new faces. And when, once the bullets start flying, that's when you really um, are, are tested when it comes to those sort of things. But again, we can't get that answer question until September. So 
for for now, I think everything's gone pretty smoothly and to plan, I would say. All righty. Well, I think that was a very first, uh, very good first day, and we'll lo- look forward to talking to Koki each week. Appreciate your time, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me on, Kevin. I'm looking forward to uh, talking with you each week. All right, Koki Riley of the USA Today Network. And again, uh, I like getting to know someone, especially when they're from another part of the country. Look, if he was from down here and he was like this big Red Sox and Patriot fan, I, it would kind of get on my nerves a little bit, just a little bit at least. But when you're from there, I, I got no problem with that. I don't like the Patriots. I hate the Celtics. I, I have some history with the Red Sox, so I'm okay with that. Um, but when you're from up there, I mean, I, I got no problem. It's it's being from down here in like I just I just can't buy that. Just don't buy it. Never will. Free country, do what you want, but I'm not buying it. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back, shift gears to high school baseball. Talking to Turling's Catholic head baseball coach Brooks Batto next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry. We have EMT standing by just in case Foote passes out. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Before we get to our special guest, want to remind you, after a two-year hiatus, the Brobridge Crawfish Festival is back this weekend. On the festival grounds in Brobridge, general admission tickets range from 5 to 10. You can buy a three-day pass for 15. The musical lineup includes Wayne Toops, Chubby Carrier, and the Bayou Swamp Band, my man Gerald Grunick and Gentilly Zydeco, Sweet Cecilia. Can you have something called Sweet Cecilia in Brobridge? I don't know. Um, might have to ask Troy about that. And many more. Great food, music, obviously, time at the Brobridge Crawfest Festival. For more information, visit bbcrawfest.com. All right. We have with us Turling's Catholic head baseball coach, Brooks Batto. How are you, sir? Doing good. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Well, uh, from the outside looking in, is it fair to say that, um, you know, you're finishing up about to down a stretch drive of your second year as, as the head coach, that this is going even better than you imagine? Or how, how has the experience been these two seasons so far? Yeah, it's been awesome. The kids are great. They're fun to be around every day. Um, fun to watch them go out and compete, get better, learn the game. Uh and like Coach Lamar just walked by and said, I have the best assistant coaches around. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's been awesome. So, you know, when you know, obviously, um, any team, no matter how good, you know, y'all are the number. For for those who don't know, uh, Coach, the Turlings Rebels are the number one seed, and they're going to be playing in the state quarterfinals 
opening up a three-game series, 4 o'clock Friday against University Lab of Baton Rouge. And if they win that series, they will play the winner of Parkview Baptist and St. Thomas More, which could be pretty dicey no matter which way you go. And we'll get into that. But when you any team comes into a season with question marks, so what would you say were your biggest question marks coming into this season for your team, and how did y'all address them to get to this point as the number one seed? Well, truthfully, it was injuries. Last year, uh, we lost our top two arms due to injuries where uh, Reed Godshaw had Tommy John surgery about three games into the season, and Kel Como tore a labrum in his hip, and those guys didn't, uh, they didn't get the pitch at all, so the question was really how were they going to recover from the surgery? You know, how are they going to bounce back? At what point were they going to be ready to go? Uh, so forth and so on. It ha- is it your experience? And, you know, for those that don't know, Brooks, you know, played professional baseball for years, played at a high level of college baseball at Florida State and won a state championship as a as a baseball player at Turling. So played at all the level. Is it your experience that – Pros and college players and high school players recover at an about an equal rate from surgeries, or is it more? Is it better chance of success? Does age have anything to do with that? Is what I'm asking. I really don't have an honest answer. I think uh, I think what I've noticed is that the medical procedures themselves have gotten better, whereas you know an ACL surgery these days, a Tommy John surgery. Those guys bounce back typically in less than a year, where back in the day you had a scar from the middle of your shin to the top of your thigh or whatever the case may be. So I think the kids are resilient. I think they uh, they like to compete. That, that, you know, speeds up the rehab process a little bit at all levels. All right, so tell me about university. I thought I, I glanced at your schedule. You have not played them? No, we didn't. We played them last year. Uh, and the way Easter fell this year, we get kind of we get kind of locked up with when we can play during Holy Week. And last year it lined up about the same time, so it didn't work out this year. We didn't have openings the same the same days. So what but kind of team are they? Last year we played them four times. Uh, we played them in the regular season. Then we hooked up with them in this same round of the playoffs over at their place and had a had a pretty good series, competitive. And are they about the same team, or kind of what are you expecting uh, scouting-wise? Well, I know Justin Morgan, the coach, and he's, I mean, they're going to come out and compete. I think it'll be a good a good series, uh, evenly matched. The team that shows up and plays baseball, uh, you know, fewest mistakes, throws strikes, they'll probably have the best chance of winning. I think it'll be an evenly matched series across the board. What is it that y'all been doing lately? And again, we're talking with Turling's Catholic head baseball coach Brooks Battle. What have y'all been doing lately uh, that gives you confidence that y'all can play good baseball this weekend? And then, what are one or two of the things that you need to, you're kind of harping on in practice that y'all got to make sure y'all do? Well, throughout the year, uh, you know, we've shown signs of playing really, really well, and then we've had lapses in certain games where just harping on that we're playing against the standard of the game. We're not playing against another team. doesn't matter who's across the field. I think I've talked about this before in previous interviews. Um, at the end of the day, if you throw strikes and you don't make any errors, you're going to give yourself a chance to win. You know, uh, that's the bottom line in baseball. 21 outs. 
We're trying to get the most out of all 21 outs on our side, productive productivity offensively, and we're trying to limit them to just 21 outs, not giving them any extra outs on defense. So that's been, you know, the games we've lost. That's been our Achilles heel. So just preaching that consistency, uh, competing every at-bat, every pitch, playing every pitch defensively, not having that middle lapse that they spiral out of control. Because, you know, playoff time, one run, one run can easily decide a game, and it usually does. All right, so you're you're still so young. Uh, when you get older and you start getting gray hairs as a coach, if you keep doing this, what about no hair? That's, that's, a, that's, <laughs> well, that's genetic, true. That's a genetic yeah. thing. Yeah, that 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 that's true. <laughs> that 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 is. Yeah, that that that's true. So, so, um, what will drive you crazier? Errors or bases on balls? Oh, I think errors. Because sometimes bases on balls, you know, you're pitching around guys, uh, different situations, certain guys can hurt you more than other times. So I think errors. And also, you were happen to be a gold glove middle infielder your whole life, so that kind of you kind of have a high standard about that. <laughs> I wouldn't say gold glove. But we probably wouldn't be doing. I'd probably be doing this interview on ESPN right now. <laughs> if I was a gold no, but it, it's true. I think that that was instilled in me. That's kind of obviously I played for the all-time winningest college coach, and uh, he was a pitching and defense type of guy. I mean, and that's the nature of the game of baseball. A pitcher can throw a no hitter and still lose. Um, so offense is, is secondary. I think offense is just putting pressure on the defense for all 21 outs to me. That's, that's a pretty good definition of offense. I, I, I don't know how much major league baseball you still, uh, you watch it all. I'm pretty sure you grew up a Yankee fan, correct? I did. Yes. But you played a long time in the Rays organization. So when you watch the Yankees play the Rays, what goes through your mind? It's tough because I pull for the the Yankees, obviously, because of Ron. Yeah, that was obviously hometown guy. I grew up calling him Uncle Ron. He and my dad were best friends. Uh, they still are. But now all of my roommates are coaching for the. He was actually my backup till he converted to a catcher. I like to tell people. Uh, he came in as a shortstop and then bounced around from third to first to catcher. And then my other roommates, Paul Hoover's the catching coach, Matt Quatrero's the bench coach. So I kind of pull for those guys. They are a fascinating organization for sure. All right. So no, it's amazing. That's truly coaching. Yes. You know, the, the, the dynamic stuff they have to do with shifts and, and substitutions is pretty impressive. So are you the weather guy or one of your assistant coaches? And tell me if it's going to rain Friday like I keep hearing, or is that false um, predictions? Coach Bart Vitt is, is our weather guy. He keeps me on track. I'm kind of day-to-day. Uh and he's saying it's going to come in Thursday night, early Friday morning. So we'll get out, work on the field Friday if we need to, and try to make this thing happen. Now, Coach Bart Vitt may keep y'all straight with the Astro talk, correct? He is an Astro fan. He definitely is. Yeah. All right. I like, I like I him the he best. He is or his wife. <laughs> yeah, she is too for sure. No question. <laughs> uh, all right, Brooks. One more question. When you played at Turlings way back when, when I was skinny and, and uh, you know, about, about, about 80 or 90 pounds ago, the STM Turlings thing wasn't really a, a, as big a deal. Now that you're coaching there again, obviously they're in the same district. It's a bigger deal. And, and talk just to me, it's got, it's got to be fat. 
when you're when you're in the middle of this STM Turlings game when y'all played this year, what what is that like for you? Obviously, you know their coach very well. I mean, it's just it's kind of a fascinating situ- scenario for you, I would think. Yeah, it is. Uh, when I was at Turlings, obviously, I came in. Lafayette was in a bad time. It was a bad time. Big oil crunch. So, man, the school here, baseball was keeping Turlings alive. Really, truthfully, I mean, I think. We went down to a 1A high school. So we would play them, but it wasn't like a district game. It was obviously a non-district game. They were a much bigger school. And then since they joined the same district, I don't know what year it was. Uh, it's awesome. I think that's what sports all about. I mean, obviously, my alma mater, you go Florida State, Miami, you know, Florida State, Florida, Notre Dame. I mean, you just – rivalry is what makes sports awesome. Uh, and naturally, you throw in my ties with Coach Perkins. He was obviously the coach of the year we won state over here. Uh, obviously, I have a lot of respect for him and uh, appreciate everything he's done for me, as well as, I mean, that's the reason we have what we have at Turlings today is truthfully because of that man. You know, I mean, his diligence, his pride in the program, and that's never, that's never gone away. Other coaches have just added their piece to it. And here we are today, and I'm fortunate to be a part of it. But it's a, it's a blast. It's more for the fans than it is for the game. The game still has to be played. And, uh, you know, good for the fans, good for you guys, good for the community. It's, it's always fun to play in front of a big crowd in a game that has some intensity and really means something. But that's obviously next week, you know, uh, potentially. We need to get through this weekend first. Right, it would be tremendous, and everyone around here is, would love a semifinal matchup between the Cougars and the Rebels. But I appreciate your time, sir. Thank you very much, as always. Good luck to y'all. Okay, Kevin, thank you very much. All right, take care. Have a go. Bye-bye. Turling's Catholic. Again, I can tell you one thing. As an eighth grader, he's the best high school defensive player as an eighth grader I've ever seen. Uh, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was a special fielder at a very young age and, and had a, a had a really nice career. Now his Rebels are seated number one, and we'll see what happens there in that Division Two matchup. Still not. Anyway, we won't go there. Take a timeout. Come back, finish out the first hour on Footnotes next, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote, want to remind you, if you would like to win a $50 gift certificate to have Shell Oyster House, the way to do it is to go to the website, join the game clubhouse, and you might win a $50 gift certificate to have Shell Oyster House. That would make a date night great, make you feel better after your team loses, or just 
give you a great meal. And again, you can do that by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. Personally, getting back to the question I asked Brooks, I think I think error it depends what kind of error it is, but I think errors are going to happen here and there, and they're very, very, very frustrating. But I, I think the thing that frustrates me the most as I get older and as a baseball fan is the old two walk. I hate the old two walk. I don't particularly like facing a 130 hitter with two outs and the bases empty and walking him either. That kind of aggravates me a little bit. Like, throw a strike, cat. Put it on a tee. He's hitting 130. He's a donkey. There's two outs and nobody on. Put it on a tee. But 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 I think the two-out walk, I mean, the 0-2 walk just drives me crazy. I'm up 0-2. I throw it outside the batter's box. I throw it inside the batter's box. I get the guy back in the count. Then I barely miss and don't get the call, so it's 3-2, and then I'll walk him after he fouls off two pitches. That just drives me bonkers. Bonkers. Hopefully that doesn't happen often today uh, when Verlander plays against the Mariners at 1 o'clock at Minden May Park. We will see how that plays out. All right, that's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Talk a little more football. If you want to talk baseball, certainly feel free to call, but shift gears a little bit to football next. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can watch a simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in on the game hotline, this is the time to do it. This segment and the next segment. So for the next half hour or so is the best time or the only time uh, that you'll be able to get in. And if you want to have any lingering NFL draft questions, if you just love when the Saints play in London, I would love to hear why in the world you think that way because it just that, you know, I was feeling pretty good today. Astros got a win today. And I mean, yesterday, hoping to go for the sweep today. And then I got and then I got to hear this news about playing of all teams. Now, I got a text that said that I misspoke a little bit. And the suggestion was that London is actually closer to the Vatican than it is to Scandinavia. I mean, I have a general idea about European geography. I actually love geography. But anyway, um, I have I have a little bit of an idea about European geography. 
Uh, but it was it was texted to me, and I, I'm assuming this is accurate. I think this guy's a QW though, so I don't know if I don't know if I, I'm I'm getting to the point where I don't know if I can trust QWs to, to tell me anything. But theoretically, this is basic math. Um, 19 hours to the Vatican from London, 23 to Norway. We're joking. You know, the Vikings you get, they're from Scandinavia, the Vikings. I don't want them to feel at home, you know. But really, none of the guys that play for the Minnesota Vikings are actually Vikings. So I'm just, you know, I'm just, it's just silliness. Sometimes you need a little silliness or you just get too frustrated with life. Okay. Sometimes you need a little bit here and there. Um, I, I'm trying to explain this to Hannah. She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it, it happens sometimes. I'm looking down editing and then I just hear about the Vatican. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> the Vatican. Anyway, it, they better win. That's all I've got to say. Okay. I just hate this London junk. It's awful. <laughs> I mean, it's just awful. I knew you would say that too. Um. But tell me, I, I, I have these moments of senility. The Saints have played twice in London, I think it is. They, uh, they beat the Chargers, and I want to say they beat the Dolphins like 20 to nothing, if I remember correctly. Um, not positive on that. We'll have to look that. I should know that off the top of my head, but for some reason – uh, that's what happens when you in the early stages of it. I think you, you there's certain things that you knew like last week that you don't know in this in, at the top of the off the top of your head. But I, I remember playing the Chargers. It was in about oh seven oh eight, probably oh eight, somewhere in there oh seven oh eight, in between the first year um, and the Super Bowl year of the um, the Casper the Quitter and Drew Brees era. And um, it was a high-scoring game, but they won, so it kind of made it. It always makes it worthwhile if you win. But uh, but no, I, it, it's 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 really it's a, it's a bad thing. But if they win, I'll, I'll I'll get past it. As long as, as I said, they don't schedule it in the middle like they did when they played the Charters, where you're like on the road for five weeks, traveling internationally, and no one else in the league is doing that. Kind of like they the commissioner did with the Yucks. Um, three years ago, so it, it um it, they 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 have no problem being unfair to the non ESPN division teams. Trust me, and um certainly have have experienced that. So we'll see how that plays out. So if you want to talk about that, certainly feel free. Uh, Major League Baseball, lots of injuries. We talked about Dusty Baker in the first segment an hour ago. The Yankees win every game. Crushed the Blue Jays last night. Crushed them. And um, and that was with Manoa pitching. Now, they didn't light up Manoa. They light, more lit up the bullpen, but still, great victory. No, no, no question. Fun victory, great victory. The Yankees got things going in the right direction. Uh, we'll see how, how that um, plays out long term. And then we'll be talking more, a little more Cajun baseball yesterday. We had our weekly conversation with Matt Deggs yesterday. So if you want to talk about Cajun baseball or softball, certainly feel free to do that as well. And we had our first installment with Cokie Riley talking LSU baseball and football in the last hour. So covering a lot of bases. All right, let's go back to the game hotline and 
Where has this guy been? Working, man. Some of us actually work for a living, Kev. <laughs> I'm like, my, 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 one of my daughters said, Dad, if you got paid to talk, you'd be a millionaire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good morning. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're not trying to change it to the IFL the way they're going. Oh, you know, it's, it's awful. It's, I, they, they preach. They preach player safety, and there's no way you can convince me that flying these guys all over the world to play football game is good for players. I mean, it's like Thursday night games. I mean, we had one game, one time what we came off a Monday night game and we had a Thursday night game. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. like, and you can sit here and preach player safety, which is really the whole bounty gate thing is about player safety. It's the rest of it, and that and Sean Lyon to the league, but the rest of it is. And they're worried about this. They had this false impression they were going to get sued. It was it was paranoia in there, legal paranoia. That's really what it was about. But go ahead. Exactly. Look, I'm I'm actually doing the what if thing. Oh, and the other thing, real quick, internationally, I, I want to see who we play the week before and the week after. Yes. And more importantly, is this going to cost us a home game? Yes. That's, it, that's, it, oh, there's no question really it will. Hosed. There's no question it will. That's when people really get hosed. But anyway, I was doing the the what ifs, and uh, just to to say, I'm happy with the Alave pick. I'm actually happy with the draft. I think they were looking at Brisker, and he got snagged ahead of us. Uh, they spent their entire allotment on the clock before they picked the cornerback. So my guess is they were trying. They knew they were picking him higher, and he needed to pick him. And I think they were trying to trade back. But you got to find a partner to trade. So. That being said, it's like I texted you. I never thought I'd say the day we got too many cornerbacks, but I, I can live with that, the way they happen to get hurt and go down. But looking back, I was criticized for saying we could wait till the second round to take a receiver. And everybody was like, you crazy. You got to take the receiver before the lineman. But when we were on the clock in the second round, you got six receivers that were still on the board that I could have lived with any one of them. Pickens, Pierce, Sky Moore, who would have been an Olave replacement. Thornton, Tolbert from South Alabama, and even Bell from Purdue. Any one of those guys I could have lived Wait, with. Wait, Pick, Pickens the wasn't trade. there at 49, was he? Yes, he was. He Pickens was, I believe he was. Oh, Pickens I don't was think he still was. still on the no. board, and some people had him going in the first round. I don't believe but he's, that. But he's a head case, so that's why he kept falling. Is he's uh, you know, Wide receivers are known to be divas, and he's kind of in that category, so I think that might be that and injuries or why teams shied away from them. But I, as a second rounder, I could have lived with them. We've done great picks. Well, yeah, but that's not picks. what they wanted. They, yeah, they look, wanted again, the guy that saying, fit oh, their Olave criteria. Was a perfect fit. He's, he's a great fit, but the bottom line is he's a number two receiver, not a number one. And you look at everything they gave up to get him, and you wonder. And again, it's all the what if stuff, which is just fun. I'm fine with with what they did and how they did it. I laugh at the national media who are under the impression that we are rebuilding. We're a game away from the playoffs last year, and we played a Monday night game against Miami with not even a JV team. It was the freshman team. You had half a roster that weren't even NFL players, and you, they forced you to play that game. You win that game, you're in the playoffs. If If the Rams can hold their business against the Niners the last weekend and hold the lead they had, we're in the playoffs. So for these these national experts that don't really pay attention to say we're sitting here rebuilding and we shouldn't have done what we did, no, the Saints think they're a player or two away from winning the division. You know, they 
Again, we beat Tampa four, four games in a row in the regular season. They're the division champs. So I, I think the Saints front office and the rest of the national experts, so they call them, are just on completely different pages, which is why the Saints did what they did. But look, the pickup, the trading that third and fourth round pick to move up to get Alave, which was, again, they were ahead of the curve. They got the guy they wanted. They read the room right because the run on, on receivers was happening. Uh, crossed their fingers, got the tackle they wanted. But that second and third round pick cost us a really, really good running back. And I do like the unrestricted free agent we signed. I'm still shocked he didn't get drafted, the kid out of Baylor. And and possibly another defensive back or a, a, a linebacker. So it's just there's consequences for making the moves. That said, again, I'm very happy with the draft. I think Alave is going to have an instant impact. I think he was the most pro-ready wide receiver in the entire draft. So uh, I'm just playing the what-if game, and if you look at the list of receivers that were there in the second round, imagine if we had gotten Hamilton when we we traded up, who I thought was like one of the top five players in the whole draft. By far the best player on the board when we took Alave. And then you wait and you get that receiver in round two, how different would this team look? But it's all armchair GM, and dude, uh, it's always fun to look back and see what if. But anyway, the International Football League is coming. It's awful. Thanks for the call, Joey. Um, take care. Um, no, I, um, I, I don't think a guy like Pickens. I don't even. I, I'm sure they did not have him ranked very high. I, I would be shocked if, you know. Again, I, I don't think. I think we we say it, but we don't really absorb how highly on the criteria list. The Saints put character and leadership and all that stuff. I mean, they like measurables, character and leadership. I mean, just you know that if you meet, once you once you meet the certain you know they like the 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 side having a certain the right amount of size and speed and all that. You know that Sam Mills might have played for the Saints in the late eighties, early nineties, but he ain't playing for the Saints today. That ain't happening. Um, and they like character and, uh, you know, leadership skills and all that. Okay. Yeah. So Joey was right. Pickens was, was 52, uh, and which makes sense because the Steelers were drafting right after and that's where he went. And again, I, I'm not saying he can't be good. I'm saying it doesn't fit with the, with, I don't think he fits it. What the, the thing that we're going to like about Wes Chandler so much is that he's, he's great on the sideline. I mean, don't you love a wide receiver that knows what he's doing on the sideline? And he has great hands, and he runs great routes, and he can get deep. Um, I think the whole number one receiver thing is, is a little silly. I, am, I mean, it's – well, I don't know if silly is the right word. I think it's irrelevant whether he's a number one receiver. I think he's a, it's irrelevant where he is in my mind. But all right, let's do this. Let's take a timeout. And I want to get to a few of the interesting undrafted free agent guys, but we may or may not get to that. We'll see. If not, well, we've got the whole offseason to do it. But uh, there are a couple of the guys that are pretty intriguing to me. 
We'll see how, how, how it plays out. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll do that on the game and be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And, of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. And, you know, what kind of safe fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. To footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you, if you would like to win downtown rising VIP passes uh, and a ch- with a chance to meet the Cold War kids, simply register for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com for win the VIP passes. The downtown rising on Saturday, June the 4th, and the great prize package is brought to you by Ultimate Downtown Rising. Uh, no, it's brought to you by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, Louisiana Raising Cajuns, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline is 706-0111. If you would like to get in, discuss any of the things we've been talking about certainly feel free to do that talk lots of major league baseball as well as a little nfl and i did want to um discuss and you know the internet just doesn't work for me most of the time when i need it but i did want to discuss um some of the saints undrafted free agents possibilities that intrigue me the most one of them is Eric Wilson. He's an he's an interior offensive lineman for out of Penn State. My problem with a lot of the Saints undrafted free agents is that um, they come from the the no no schools, the X list, Notre Dame, Penn State. We talked about that with Jaquan Brisker who Joey kind of referenced again. I kind of wanted Jaquan Brister, too. He intrigued me, his profile, how he could fit into the Saints' um, uh, scheme, and yet he went to Penn State. Penn State's on the no-no list. So was Notre Dame, um, which would have been an issue if they had taken the safety Hamilton, like Joey discussed. Uh, and, um, and, you know, Michigan – is on the no-no list. And while I haven't given up on Cesar Ruiz, the bottom line is that Michigan pick so far has not worked out like most of us were hoping for. Again, Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State, historically you stay away from that if you're the Saints. But um, but one of them is Eric Wilson. He was a guy who was from Harvard. Again, for those of you who don't like Pete, which is a lot of you, and don't like Ruiz, which is probably even more of you, um, as Saints fans. 
it would be you you would have to agree that there's some long term and maybe not even long term issues or needs at the interior offensive line position. And Wilson's a guy who he um he has size. He's 63306. And he he you say, well, why wasn't he he drafted? I think one of the reasons why he wasn't drafted is he played for three years at Harvard. And then he transferred to Penn State and won a job and became a starter. So, in other words, he still – he wasn't really on the radar to NFL radar for very, very much, for very long. So he's a guy who maybe down the road can maybe be on the practice squad if he does well in camp, and maybe you could get something. Those are the kind of stories where they want, they're not, in other words, they're, nobody's a finished product, but they're really not finished products. And, and, and you try and we try to come up with a reason like why wasn't he drafted? Well, that's probably why he wasn't drafted because he played three years at Harvard in the Ivy League. Another one. Again, though, on the no-no list, Notre Dame linebacker with question marks, Isaiah Pryor. I don't think he's a linebacker. He's a guy, one, he, he, he was at Ohio State, which gives him a great chance to play for the Saints one day if he played for Ohio State. And he transferred to Notre Dame, and he was a backup for a while. Uh, and I, the guy who I can't pronounce his name, he was that tweener linebacker slash safety rover guy that was supposed to go in the first round last year, went in the second round to the Cleveland Browns. He backed him up for a year and then he started. He's only 6'1", 204 in that range. So he's not a real linebacker. He's a safety. And so down the road, again, there's no room for him right now. I'm saying if he does well, and makes the practice squad, I could see him maybe being a a safety option down the road or at least a backup safety option down the road. So he he his kind of skill set and what he does kind of intrigues me. And then we've already talked about, obviously, uh, Abram Smith. I keep saying he rushed for 1,400-some yards. He rushed for 1,601 yards. Um. When you read about him, he's a running back from Baylor. Well, why was he on the board? We don't really know except for, again, he had, he had a position change. He did the opposite of Alvin Tolles. He went from uh, linebacker to running back. Alvin Tolles went from running back to linebacker, and in one year the Saints drafted him in the first round, arguably one of the worst picks ever in Saint history. Um, In 85, I believe that was. But... He's a guy who probably can't play for any system. But in certain one, like they call one-cut systems, zone one-cut systems, he could fit in perfectly. He could be a steal as an undrafted free agent. No question. I don't want I want him to be Lanyop, so I still want a veteran running back. Uh, but he could be a steal. Again, he rushed for over 1,600 yards, and support, you know, all indications are he has good hands and can catch the ball as well. And he has a lot of tread left on the tire. So, I mean, you know, 
you know, over the years, I have not been a big preseason guy. But last year, preseason football was interesting because of Jameis Winston. And this year, it's going to be really interesting for guys like Abram Smith. And depending on, you know, who else they acquire. But really, even like say they acquire a veteran like a Darryl Williams, I'm not going to care about. As long as he's here, I'm not going to care with Darryl Williams or whatever veteran running back they may or may not pick up. And I'm not going to care what he looks It's not going to matter what he looks like in preseason. But um, but a guy like Abram Smith, it will matter. That look look, look forward to to getting reports on him. Another my, my favorite position here, tight end, Lucas Kroll. I mentioned him maybe on Monday a little bit. Lucas Kroll is six six, two sixty three. Well, why would he draft it? Well, he played most of his college career behind Kyle Pitts at Florida. A lot of guys, let's be honest, would play behind Kyle Pitts at Florida. He um, transferred to Pitt, and he he has an automatic Saints connection because he was Bobby Scott's quarterback. Bobby Scott was his quarterback. Um, and anyway, he's 6'6", 260, and he runs about a 4.5. Not lightning fast, but not slow. And... Um, his dad played college for those who like good bloodlines. His dad played college ball at Kansas State, and his mom was an All-American basketball player in college. So he's intriguing. Great name, Lewis Kroll. Loved the position. And he's a guy that had one productive year in college, so that's probably why he wasn't drafted or only one, but... Um, you know, he might grow into the position a little bit and he's got size and he's got pretty good speed for his size and he's got good bloodlines and he played for Bobby Scott. So he's another one that kind of keep an eye on. One more, Rashid Shaheed, wide receiver out of Boise State. I've already told you what I like about Dixon from Nichols, but one of the big decisions that I think the Saints are going to have to make is are you going to contend? And look, I think Mighty Mouse is the best special. He's got the best special teams instincts of any player in Saint history. I would argue, including guys like Tyrone Hughes. I think he's fabulous from a skill set standpoint. But he's so small and he's always hurt. Now I don't know that Shahid can make this team. I really don't think he can. He can make the practice squad, maybe. I'm talking about you know be playing on Sundays. Um, I think it's important, whether it's him or someone else, if they're going to keep Mighty Miles healthy, they're going to have to consider not using him on special teams if he's really going to be a productive deep threat for him, which I think he's a, as good a deep threat as the Saints have ever had if he ever plays. So that's just somebody else to keep in mind. A guy, he had seven re- kickoff return. I mean, um, returns for touchdowns at the college level. Seven. Shahid did. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. It's alive. It's alive. The streak is alive. It keeps continuing. Oh, foot. man. And yesterday might have been the most impressive one of all of them. Woo! They tried to cheese, but we pulled it out. Thanks to Aaron Judge, boy. Oh, he hit that out the ballpark, man. I said, we got a chance. 
I was I was nervous. Bottom the fourth, bottom the fifth. I started getting nervous. But when he hit that out of the ballpark, I said, we got a chance. We coming back. And you see, that's what's so good about baseball. There's no time limit. Yes. You know, you but, can go, you can have the lead or it could be zero, whatever the numbers is. It can be at the top of the night or the bottom of the night and something can change. Kind of like that guy that played for you that, oh, what's his name? Oh, two, um, the one that's hurt for you. Altuve? Yeah, when he hit that dumb ball last year and and won the game at the last second, he get a walk off. Oh ball. yeah, that was tremendous. Yeah, that was such a disaster. That <laughs> so, was tremendous. Really, I'll never forget. That. I don't even like the guy yeah. today. He's oh, really that was tremendous. But y- y'all, y'all are going so well, Paul. Y'all are getting offense from Marwin Gonzalez. <laughs> I that cat is so washed up, it's unbelievable. I love him, but he's so washed hey, up, it's unbelievable. And y'all are getting offense from Marwin hey, Gonzalez. You know what? There's an old boxing saying, every last great one have one last good fight in him. Maybe that was his last, but I hope not. <laughs> but I just want to say that, but I have a question for you. Stevie P said that Aaron Judge is not going to be with us next year. Now, because he didn't sign – early in the season, his contract. He said that normally happens in baseball. Do you see that happening? Oh, I think it's very possible he won't, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about that right now. Really, I wouldn't. I I'm just not one that worries. I think it's very possible he'll still resign. I, I you know, I, I don't know that it's fifty fifty, but I I'm sure it's I think there's a reasonable chance both that he'll sign and there's a reasonable chance he won't. But again, I wouldn't worry about that. What you need to worry about is him hitting consistently and staying healthy over the course of the season and try to get you into the playoffs. Oh, I do that every year, especially when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah. Because, you know, he either he, not done if he do show up, he really don't show up. So I just look at it. If he's going to leave us, bring me a chip before you go. Bring me a chip before you go. The, the last time we had great runs like this, oh, what it was. It was old Bernie, old Williams was playing, Benny Williams. Uh, what's, he, what's his name? Um, no, Peter, you, know, you had one of these last year, and then, then you followed it up with about a 10-game losing streak. Nah, I, no, no, no. We didn't win yeah. a chip. I'm talking about the last time no, we won t- a chip on a good run. But we don't talk yeah. about losing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a good, you had a real good run like this last year, and then it kind of went in the tank after that. Exactly. We don't. The Yankee fans don't talk about it. We talk about the championship. Year. <laughs> <laughs> well, for I'm gonna let you go with that. But just know the streak is alive. Go Yankees. All right. <laughs> oh, look, they're they're doing. I was look. That was that was the most impressive one of all this on this winning streak last night in Toronto against Manoa. No question. All right, got to take a timeout, shift gears when we come back, talk a little Cajun softball with UL softball coach Jerry Glasgow next on the game. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For Sports Talk Love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome back to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We have with us UL softball coach Jerry Glasgow. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Kevin. Well, uh, your coach Glasgow and his Raging Cajuns tomorrow. They always do this. The last weekend series right before the conference tournament. It's going to be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. I don't know what the rain forecast is, but uh, trying to finish out the regular season. What is that looking like, Coach? Yeah, just I looked yesterday and it was a sixty percent chance for today, um, and then clear on Friday and Saturday. I feel good that we'll get the we'll get the games in. Uh, I mean, sixty percent for tomorrow. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, but it looked like we had perfect weather the next two days. I haven't looked this morning. Um, let me look real quick here. Yeah, now they've lowered it to 50% tomorrow. Sun shining on Friday and Saturday. So I feel confident we'll get three games in. Our kids are finishing up final exams today. And, you know, we've had a very weird, uh, unusual practice schedule the last three days because of final exams, which is always – interesting and and somewhat of a concern you know you never know how your kids are going to react when they miss their normal routine in practice and then you know when they come off final exams are they exhausted will they be lacking energy or will they be hyped up and relieved and fired up ready to go because school's over now we got to play softball so the emotional side effects of finals week is going to be interesting and of somewhat of a concern to to me as a coach so that that's kind of the the state of our where we're at right now and i i think with a young team i think they'll be i think they'll be the latter i think they'll come out of finals fired up and school's over now we gotta do is play softball so i hope that's what we see this weekend Coach, ULM got a win over you last year, and they've showed a little bit of progress this year. They've had some nice wins, you know, uh, got a fair amount of wins outside the conference and had some nice wins inside the conference. So I would think this uh, you have a lot of motivation and you're playing very well, and yet I would think there's some scary aspects of this matchup against them, and um, especially since you, you have lost a few games in conference this year, even though you're in first place right now, that – you know, you probably feel like you shouldn't have lost. Yeah, well, you know, we back in the early in the season, we lost to Georgia Southern and we lost to Georgia State, and we lost to App State a couple weeks ago. And those are games that you look back on and you're like, well, how did we? You know, why did we do lose that game? Or on paper, we shouldn't have lost those games, and and that's that's kind of become, you know, the mo of this young team and. And I say young because I blame it on inexperience and immaturity. Um, and we're, and, you know, we're, we're, we're 50 games in now, so there's no excuse for that. Uh, and hopefully we won't see anything like that this weekend. But the other part of it is, you know, we allowed them to beat us on senior day last year, last game of the year, senior day. We just absolutely laid an egg <laughs> and got beat and, Oh, they carry a game three and they carried on like they'd never won a game before in their life, which I haven't forgotten. And I hope my team hasn't forgotten. Uh, I, 
and we got we we were fortunate enough to play them again in the conference tournament a week later, and we we put a pretty good whipping on them. And I, I'm going to remind my girls everything that was said. There was some social media stuff they put on disrespectful to our university, and uh, I'll use that to motivate my kids. I, I disliked it. I disliked it then. I dislike it now. And it's, it, I'm going to try to turn it into a war this weekend. I want it to be a war. And uh, I think our team will feed off that. I hope they do. But th- I think all that could end up being a positive and help us avoid any kind of a letdown. We've got a lot to play for. You've got the conference uh, championship on the line. You know, and I tell our kids, like, we want to own the Sun Belt. Like, we, sh- we expect to win the Sun Belt every year. We we want everybody else to expect us to win a Sunbelt every year. And so you've got all that on the line this weekend. There's a lot of reasons to play really hard and play really well this weekend. And, you know, they they obviously have a lot of reasons they want to play well as well. But we'll try to turn into a war, and if we can do that, I think the best team will win, and that definitely will be us. All right, so – Injury-wise, could Maddie Hayden play this weekend, or are you probably another week before that could potentially happen? Yeah, you know, the the trainer didn't give me much hope yesterday that she would be able to play. Um, you know, the they I know they hit a few balls off the tee, but, you know, I they didn't hit off the machines. They didn't hit off regular BP. So I haven't saw her on the field at all. And so, as long as she's with the trainers and not, I'm not seeing her on the field in practice, and I don't have much hope I can get her in a game. Um, but an ankle injury is a day-to-day thing, and kind of up to you know, it's a, a lot of individual uh, how much they can handle pain, how bad they want to play, and how much they can take. And so, um, you know, I wouldn't say that's a hundred percent that she can't, but I'm not likely to play someone if I haven't saw him in practice. All right, so Jordan Campbell played in the game last weekend, and you've talked publicly about how you know you were a little, not totally comfortable with how she looked. And then I remember the play where she hit a ground ball and she ran really hard, and I'm like, hmm, I kind of cringe a little bit when I watch that to first base. So how important is – how many games do you kind of foresee her playing this weekend? And how important is this from a just handling herself and, and getting comfortable is this weekend for her? Yeah, I think it could be a really important weekend for her. And she was just the opposite of Maddie. She was out on the field yesterday able to uh, hit and even played some defense yesterday, which I wasn't expecting. Um and so I, I saw a lot of confidence out of her in practice yesterday, confidence that she was ready, confidence she was ready to go. Um, I, I, I think it would be absolutely enormous, huge for her to get back on the field this weekend. You know, you don't want to go into postseason and that come off an injury and not play at all. And so I think Jordan realizes that. I think she realizes the urgency how important it is to get back in practice yesterday and today and how important it is to be on the field this weekend. I think she absolutely understands that, and I do too. You know, I I think it would be a huge um, confidence booster for her to have played in in the last weekend of the regular season before we go into the conference tournament. And based on yesterday, I expect her to do it at a minimum DH for us this weekend. And for 
I really hadn't. I really had thought she wouldn't be able to play defense uh, the rest of the regular season and, and possibly even in the conference tournament. But based on yesterday, maybe we will see her back out there this weekend on defense. All right, we're speaking with UL head softball coach Jerry Glasgow. All right, I'm asking a tough question, coach. Which one is more important for your program looking forward? A, you win all three games and you win the conference, regular Sunbelt Conference regular season title, and South Alabama does not win all three games and they finish, um, you know, outside the top 50, or you win two out of three and South Alabama wins all three and you, they finish inside the top 50. Yeah, well, if we went two out of three and they went three out of three, we'll have lost the conference championship. Right. I don't, I don't want to lose it. I want to win the Sun Belt championship. Now, if they win all three and, and do finish in that top 50, that really helps us with the selection committee because it gives us uh, three wins over over top uh, – four wins over top 50 ball clubs. But then if you look at the numbers between 26 and 50, we'd be 4-0. and If that would happen. We'd have, we'd have a four and record on teams between twenty six and fifty, which is a huge. That's a huge. That's of huge importance to the selection committee. So, you know, we we just we just want to take care of business. Our job for our fans and our commitment to Louisiana and our program is to is to win this conference championship. And then, I, I want to the way I, I I envision it and the way I want it to go is we win all three and they win all three. Um, but, you know, that's a lot of things that happen. It's hard for six games. It's hard not to control all of them. So I, I really, early in the year especially, I would have expected Troy to take one of those three games and maybe even two since they're at home. So it won't surprise me if Troy takes a game. Now, if Troy wins one, I believe we only have to win. If Troy wins one game, I you, think we have a game we can drop. No, you can. Yeah, you can drop two. You can drop two. You if Troy yeah. wins a game, you only need to win one game. Now you don't That's want to correct. lose two games That's to ULM, right? To yeah, we, right. We'd have an extra game. Yeah. We not only could we drop one, we could actually drop a second game, which we definitely don't want to happen. Like we do not want to go to the committee. If we drop two out of three, it puts you back in a position where you'll be feeling like you have to win the Sun Belt Championship to get in that large bid. And right now, I feel pretty comfortable that. You know, we can go to the conference tournament as conference champions, and if we don't win the conference tournament, we would still get in that large bid with our record that we have and the, and the, the regular season that we've had as, an, as a whole. But that's not – you don't want to put all that at stake with by dropping a series at Monroe. We, we, need, we need to win three out of three. That's, it'd be silly to even look at it any other way. we got to win all three games. All right, Coach, we appreciate your time as always, and we look forward to uh, seeing what goes on um, going into the conference tournament. So good luck this weekend. All right. Thank you, Kevin. All right. Take care, UL Coach Jerry Glasgow. Look, if that scenario would play out that he brought, kind of brought up at the end where they lose two games and still win the conference championship, he, he will be the most depressed coach in the history of the sport for a coach that just won the sun, uh, conference champ, that just clinched the conference championship. And uh, if they lose two out of three, so believe me, he, he don't, he don't, you know, that none of us want that right now for sure. All right, that'll do it.
We'll take a time out. Come back, finish out today's program on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 4th, 1985. Puerto Rican jockey Angel Cordero Jr. wins the 111th Kentucky Derby atop Spend a Buck. The victory at Churchill Downs is the jockey's third Kentucky Derby triumph as he previously won the 1974 and 1976 derbies. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you, if you would like to win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, simply need to become a member of the Game Clubhouse by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So sign up today, $150 gift certificate. That would be a great prize to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. Sign up today. All right. So we've kind of touched on a lot of subjects today. Talked LSU baseball and SEC baseball, Cajun softball, and what's going on there as they go into the last weekend. Uh, Baseball's got a lot of pressure going into its last weekend in that they're playing a UTA team that you absolutely have to sweep. And even if you do sweep, you're going to drop in the RPI. You kind of know that going ahead of time. Because their RPI is like in the twos. Uh, it's not good. 200-something. And so it's, um, you know, it's just it's just what it is. And, you know, a, a, the new famous saying, well, it's not so new anymore. It is what it is. It is what it is. You can't control it. You know, that falls under that old cliche, which is which is true. It's, it's good advice. If you can't control it, don't worry too much about it. Of course, I don't listen to that very often. That's what Mr. Bobby keeps telling me. Why are you so worried about the draft? You can't control it. But um, even though I can't control it, the results are impactful, so I worry about it. (laughs) That's just kind of the way it is. It's just the way it is. I mean, I can't control when when it's 0-2 and I'm screaming, don't walk him, and the first pitch isn't in the batter's box, and I start to worry. Don't walk him. And then the second pitch is barely in the batter's box. Don't walk him. And then he walks him. And I slam my hand on the table because I'm not happy. So I'm worried even though I really have no control of it. Mm-hmm. But you still won the series. Russ tells me all the time, Dad, they can't hear you. I tell Ken all the time, too. We're watching, like, videos that were already pre-recorded. Not even a live something. Pre-recorded. He's like, oh, why'd you do that? I said, they can't hear you. The game is already Oh, over. no, I, I fussed and screamed at, at tape games from 30 years ago before. Why? Just because that's, that's the way it is. I don't know. I can't explain it. All right. <laughs> Appreciate Coach Glasgow and, and Brooks Batto and, uh, Cokie Riley coming on today. They did a great job. Y'all have a nice day. <laughs>